Welcome to Tori Mecha Parsha with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Elisheva Kamenetsky, and today we'll be, we will be studying Parshat Kitavo. Kitavo, when you come into the land, the time for B'nai Israel to enter the land is getting close. We find specific details in this Parsha about how to conduct yourself in the land of Eretz Yisrael, including Moshe's opening instruction to the people of Israel in the Parsha. When you enter the land that Hashem has given you as your eternal heritage, and you settle it and cultivate it, bring the first ripened fruits, the Bikurim of your orchard, to the Holy Temple, the Beit HaMikdash, and declare your gratitude for all that Hashem has done for you. Our Pasha also includes the laws of Maaser, the tithes given to the Levium and to the poor, and detailed instructions on how to say the blessings and curses on Har Grizim and Har Evel, as discussed in the beginning of Parshat Re'eh. Moshe reminds the people that they are Hashem's chosen people and that they in turn have chosen Hashem. In the latter part of Parshat Kitavo, we find the Tochacha, the rebuke. After listing the blessings with which Hashem will reward the people when they follow the laws of the Torah, Moshe gives a long and harsh account of all of the bad things illness, famine, poverty, and exile that shall befall them if they abandon Hashem's Torah and mitzvos. This portion of the parsha is read in a low voice in Shul on Shabbos. It is not the first time that there is an emphasis on all of the terrible outcomes that will befall the Jewish people if they do not follow the word of God. It is another example of the concept of Mishnah Torah that we find here in Sefer Devarim, where things are repeated. We have seen these descriptions previously in Parshat B'chukotai. The Ramban there explains that the reason why the Torah details these tragedies in two different places is to give a reference to the fact that B'nai Yisrael will experience these calamities multiple times in Jewish history. The first listing and expression of these tragedies in Parashat B'chukotai is reminiscent of what B'nai Yisrael experienced after the destruction of the first Beit HaMikdash with Galut Bavel. And there are specific psukim there that remind us of that specific experience. Here in Parashat Kitavo, the second description of, this, of the casualties of B'nai Yisrael not listening to the word of God, remind us of that which happened at the destruction of the second Beit HaMikdash, the beginning of the Galut, the exile that we find ourselves in now, the Galut brought out by Rome. And there are specific references in our parsha to things that remind us of that experience. Of course, we wait for the third Beit HaMikdash to be built, which we are promised will never be destroyed, Hence, this type of description is only found twice in the Torah. Moshe knows his people. He knows his customers. He knows that they will not be perfect. And therefore, before he passes on at the end of Sefer Devarim, he is warning them of what will happen when they sin. This is a significant portion in our Parsha of the various warnings that Moshe gives to B'nai Israel 
that they need to heed the word of God. At the end of the Chochacha, the, the Torah tells us in Parakhav Tet, Pasuk Mem Zayin 29.47, why is it that all of these tragedies may potentially befall the Jewish people? Tachat asher lo avadata et Hashem elokecha besimcha ubetuv lev, merov kol. Because you did not serve Hashem with happiness, with gladness of heart, when you had and were blessed with an abundance of things. Once again, we see a reference to the challenges of blessing, that it may cause you to sin and ultimately bring you tragedy. But it's quite curious. After this long, lengthy discussion of all of the tragedies that will befall B'nai Yisrael, the conclusion is that they, this, all this came about because they did not serve Hashem with happiness. Sounds like some kind of cheap pop psychology, an advertising campaign. Be happy. We know that the Torah values happiness, but to the extent that the lack of happiness can bring all of this calamity. And not only that, but just two psukim earlier, the Torah indicates that all of this tragedy may happen. Why? Lo shamata bekol Hashem elokecha in Pasuk Memhe 45. That all of this may happen because of lack of observance, because you have not listened to the voice of God. Not because we were not happy, woke up on the wrong side of the bed, or were experienced a day in a bad mood. An explanation to this is offered by the altar of Kelm. He suggests that the Pasuk is not describing the cause or source of punishment, but rather it's referring to a reality. He explains that the lack of happiness does not merit the extensive suffering described in the parsha, but rather all of this tochacha and rebuke is the result of people being indifferent about their observance. The reality of a spiritual life is such that mitzvos, which are performed out of habit, it is, when mitzvos are performed out of habit, it is difficult, one might say even impossible, to maintain genuine commitment. Human nature is such that people do not keep up with things that they do not truly enjoy. A person needs to realize that a life full and committed to mitzvot has many benefits. And therefore, once he recognizes those benefits, he will be drawn to a more intense and committed level of observance. But if he doesn't appreciate the beauty of Torah and mitzvot, the benefits that it provides, unfortunately, it is likely that his observance will begin to wane. Therefore, the Torah is not describing two different realities. The fact that you didn't listen to Torah and mitzvot in Pasuk Memhe, and in Pasuk Memtet, a discussion of the fact that you were not happy. But rather, if a person is lacking in his happiness and his simcha, it is almost inevitable that he will find himself in a reality of being not listening and not committed 
to a life of Torah and mitzvos. The field of positive psychology, which studies happiness with scientific data, can help us understand this on a deeper level. Much of what positive psychology teaches corresponds to the Torah's definition of happiness. Happiness is not just a mood, it's a mindset that we can create. Dr. David Palkovitz points out that the popular definition of happiness is related in its etymology to words like happenstance, haphazard, happen, something you get lucky with. A person is happy, according to the popular definition, at a time that they perhaps win the lottery. Of course, studies show happiness does actually not increase among lottery winners. But the Jewish perspective suggests that the etymology of the word simcha, the Hebrew word for happiness, is a conjugation of some moach, where your head is, where you put your brain, where your focus is. Interestingly, that doesn't mean that we are always happy based on our physical locale. Perhaps this is how we can understand Rabbi Yehuda HaLevi's famous, famous statement, Libi ba-mizrach va'anochi b'sof ma'arav. I may find myself in the diaspora in the West, but my heart, if I connect my heart to the land of Israel, to the city of Jerusalem in the East, I can actually create a focus for myself that is different than my physical locale. We see this also in the reality that people can be physically present, and yet if their focus is elsewhere, if their focus perhaps is distracted by a device held in their hand, by something that they're watching, that while they may be physically present, they are actually not present in the conversation at hand, or even recognize who may be in the room or may, who may have walked out of the room. Viktor Frankl, in his famous book, Man's Search for Meeting, teaches us that a person can be physically in experiencing the atrocities of the Holocaust, and yet he can create a mindset for himself where he is connected to things that are elsewhere. In this way, we have control over our happiness. Our happiness is deeply connected to where we put our mind, to where we put our focus. Positive psychology takes this idea one step further and says that we are at our greatest levels of happiness when we are in a state of flow. The flow theory states that when you're involved in something that has a clear goal or purpose and you are focused on it with complete attention, you can find yourself in a higher state of elation. The characteristics of flow seem at times unrealistic and unattainable. They include being in a position where you are not distracted, where there's no worry about failure, where you are not feeling self-conscious and you lose a sense of time. The reality is that many of us experience flow. We just may not recognize it as being exactly that. For instance, 
If you find yourself dancing at a wedding of someone who you feel close to, while the reality is that a first dance at our wedding at many of our simchas can be as long as 40 minutes, for the person who is close to the, the, the Bali Simcha, those who are experiencing the celebration to the first degree, that dance can feel like it's five minutes long. Not only that, I personally am not particularly rhythmic or coordinated. I'm not a graceful dancer. But when I am in that state of flow, that state of happiness and focus on the incredible celebration of somebody who I feel close to, I'm not the least bit self-conscious about the way that I am dancing. It doesn't just have to be at a high-level celebration. It could also be when you're spending time with somebody who you love. You will say and do the silliest of things, and time will pass without any level of consciousness. For some of us, we've experienced that at intense moments of prayer at the conclusion of Yom Kippur. Yosef Mendelovich, a famous refusenik who was incarcerated in Russia behind the Iron Curtain, speaks at great length about this in his biography, The Unbroken Spirit. The ability that when a person is focused on a goal, when a person is thinking about something beyond themselves, that they can find themselves in a state of happiness despite their physical surroundings. Studies have shown that people are not at their happiness when they are at leisure, but rather when they are in a state of flow. Why? Because some moach, you have a goal and you are working on it. This is an important message for us at this time of year. Parshat Kitavo is always read in Chodesh Elul as we are setting goals for the new year. How does all of this help us understand our Parsha? Rav Chaim of Volazhin suggests that the Torah is actually not referring to a mood, happiness or sadness of a person while he or she performs a particular mitzvah, but rather it's describing a person's general attitude towards mitzvah observance. We are called upon in our parsha to approach mitzvot with a sense of ashrenu matov chalkenu, with an awareness and appreciation of the priceless opportunity that we have been granted when we were given the Torah. In contrast, the attitude that the mitzvos are weighty burden that we must carry is fundamentally flawed perspective. Such an attitude towards the Torah, even if we carefully observe the details of the mitzvos, is actually a break and a weakening of our relationship with Hashem, and it in itself warrants a severe punishment. When we are in flow, we don't feel tired and burdened. You feel and recognize that greater purpose. This is Moshe's message in his last words to the people as they are entering into Eretz Yisrael. Stay focused on the goal. Life will not always be easy, but remember the priceless opportunity we have with each and every mitzvah to come closer to Hashem. Life in Eretz Yisrael in particular comes with challenges, but every mitzvah performed there brings us even greater amount of holiness. The message for us is that happiness comes from goal setting, from some moach, who we need to be focusing not just on what we want to do, but who we want to be. Without the goal-oriented mindset, we will find ourselves slipping into a state of sin and being unhappy.
people with no focus, no samoach, no simcha. When we keep the end in mind, we will experience that happiness. When we flow through life, hoping to chance on something meaningful to bring us happiness, we will find ourselves turning to things that bring immediate pleasure, ease and convenience, but often leave us feeling empty. As the Navi Hoshea taught, May we take the lessons of Sefer Devarim and use them to bring us closer to Hashem, to create goals for ourselves in the area of Torah and mitzvos. Thank you for studying together with the OU Women's Initiative.